1941, when uh, we were attacked and we declared war, uh, it, we were beaten back pretty, pretty big. And uh, it was a while before we began to fight back. But when we, when we began to fight back, we began to fight back in every way. There were arms and munitions made. People stepped up. People were drafted. And there was an intensity that went into uh, def defeating our enemy and having victory. And I believe one of the great weapons that God wants to uh, awaken in us as a church is the weapon of prayer. And I know we've had levels of breakthroughs and levels of uh, stepping up in prayer. Thanks to Donna, she started so many prayer pockets and there's a great intercession going on in the church. But I feel like God is calling all of us to join and be one in prayer. And just the title of my message today is from Paul. He says this a number of times, we pray for you. And when he talks about this in his letters, it is uh, mustering the people in individual churches that he started to be those who would pray and fight a fight of spiritual battling in prayer for other believers who were being saved and for more believers to come into the kingdom of God. But something happens to us, you know, uh, through just the routines of life and busyness and distractions, our prayer kind of gets uh, it kind of gets, gets kind of fizzles out. Uh, you lose your passion. You lose your fervor. But it is the Holy Spirit that comes time and time again throughout history to stir us to prayer. Some of the great people in the Bible, some of the most powerful men and women who were prophetic, who had spiritual gifts, uh, kind of waned in their ability to connect with God. And if you read Jonah, uh, verses 1, 1 through 3, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare there and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What happened to Jonah? What happened to this man of God who was called as a prophet? God is sent uh, with a message to go speak to Nineveh to bring them a message of repentance or I'm going to bring judgment, and he goes off the other way. What happens to us at Christmas? What happens to us? What has happened to us that would affect our intensity in prayer, our willingness to battle for each other, to see the breakthroughs that are going on? I was just reading in my own reading this morning in Thessalonians, and it talks about that the Antichrist, when he comes, uh, he's going to really do some greater things. But it says the spirit of lawlessness that is antichristal is already at work in the world. And there is a great deception going on, and there's a great uh, disillusion that's going to come upon people. And uh, this, to me, what uh, Diane said today and what Sabrina said, I feel like we're going to pray together today uh, for our, our kids. I tell you, the war is on to steal our generation. But we are going to be like Paul said, we pray for you. We are going to unite in a greater way. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to fire you up that you're going to be intensely praying for the young people, praying for your own children, joining with other people in this congregation for their children and for the generations that God wants to use. And yet the enemy and uh, society and the attack on Christianity and people who have made decisions for Christ is ongoing. The enemy is trying to disillusion this generation with the things of the world and affecting in their own knowledge, in their own uh, natural understanding against the spiritual things that they experienced growing up in church. What makes you cool off? What makes you go passive when it, when it considers the things of the Lord in your prayer life? 
I tell you, He's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming to restore a passion in the body of Christ. He's coming to restore a fire in us that's going to cause us to burn in fervency in our prayer. God sends storms. He sent a storm after Jonah. And I don't know if you would pray this way for your kids, but Lord, send a storm upon our kids. Send a storm in the fear of God and the fear of where they're going from what they've heard and what they once believed. God, send a storm. God sent a storm to Jonah. And Jonah 1, 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Do you feel sometimes troubled? Uh, I feel like God uses storms in our life to stir us again to prayer. He wants to stir us. I had a dream last night of this person, this young person, and I woke up, and in this prayer, they were, they were praying, and then I realized like, in the prayer, they were praying for themselves. And I began to pray for that young person. I began to pray that God would accomplish, Lord, what He wants to do in their life. And whatever's trying to turn them away, whatever's distracted them, that there will be a fire sent in them to return them to the passions of God. I had a number of people in this church. I was praying for them and for their kids. And knowing there's a, such a battle going on for, for the generation that we have, that we've raised up, and that they're not really serving the Lord right now, and they're being uh, tempted and tickled with what the world is offering them. Jonah's not praying. In Jonah 1.6, the captain came to Jonah and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, there's a lot of times we haven't done things perfectly as parents, and, you know, the enemy can say, Well, you know, they would be serving me if you hadn't done this, or if you hadn't acted like this. It doesn't matter what we've done or haven't done. I tell you, God was the perfect father when Adam and Eve were tempted in that garden and they sinned. But it was God who began to send intercession and prayer. It is God who began to move on people and bring that, that uh, challenge to them that they needed to, to turn to God. And I pray it's that same way today. Do not disqualify yourself for how your parenting was or what's going on, but begin to rise up in prayer and pray like was already uh, encouraged today by our two prophetic people. Jonah returns to God in prayer. Oh, thank God for three days and three nights in that stinky fish's belly. And Jonah 2, 1 through 10, after three days and nights in the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly, from the fish's belly. And he cried and said, Oh, to the Lord, because of my affliction. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard me. For you cast me into the deep, into the, dark, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds are wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up me up. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer went up to you into the holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. What is it? Do we have to go through that God would stir our own intensity in prayer? Would restore in us a willingness to battle for someone other than ourselves? 
It's so easy to turn on the TV or go do something that's relaxing. But I tell you, the day and the times are now for us to turn in turn up our spiritual intensity in prayer, to pray for our young people, to pray for our children, to pray for the people that we know in our own congregation, that God will light a fire in them, that they will return and find a great experience in returning to the Lord. You know, it goes on that Jonah was angry. In Jonah 4, 1 through 4, it says that, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. You know, he, got, he actually went to Nineveh and started doing what he was supposed to do but he got angry. And a lot of times we stop praying because we get angry at God because we don't see God doing the things that we want him to do. But I tell you, when we accept Jesus Christ, we have the promise of eternal life and salvation with Jesus Christ, but it's not about what he can do for us. It's about how we're supposed to align ourselves and do the will of God and serve him. Yeah, there's going to be blessings of God in our life, but if we focus on just measuring our blessing, we will never be the people God has called us to be. And when we're putting God first and we're seeking God, there's grace to go through whatever we need to go through, but there's a provision that God has for us that He takes care of our needs and He gives us joy and He gives us gladness, but we have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We have to persevere and pursue what God has and what His will is in our life. And Jonah found that out. What about Gideon? Hard seasons. Uh, A lot of times uh, we're involved with reaping what the generations have sown. I think a lot of things that were sown in uh, post-World War II years and in the 60s and 70s are now being reaped. The loss of prayer in schools, the uh, anti-God society, the rebellion, the sexual perversion that's going out, all because we have turned away from God. In Judges 6, 1 through 11, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel made for themselves the dens and the caves and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. Can you imagine being so oppressed by your enemy? You have to find uh, some, some cave that you're living in. And this is the people of God. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites came, came, would come up, and also the Amalekites, and the people of the east would come against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter into the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. You know, there are times where we are tempted to either cry out to the Lord about our situation or get angry at the enemy and begin to ask God for forgiveness and begin to ask God to move in our lives. You might be one who prays today, God, forgive me of my sin of prayerlessness. I've been doing a lot of that lately. God, forgive me for not being as intense in prayer as I once was. Forgive me for not seeking and and pushing in and and warring spiritually for you guys and for the, the generations that have gone away from the Lord. Verse 7 says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you into their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites 
in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Again, the oppression from things we go through, the oppression of the enemy can steal our, our prayer life. It's so good to see you, Pete. I was praying for you this week. The Lord reveals, the Lord revives Gideon's passion. In Judges 6, 11, and 12, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to the Joash and Abbasite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Again, I believe that God wants to give us each a fresh prophetic experience with him that reignites a fire and a passion to pray and seek God for people. Gideon has an emotional and spiritual breakthrough. He gets kind of real with God in Judges 6.13. Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles? And where are those miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Do not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You know, God's okay for us when we get real about where we're at spiritually. But it's neat how out of that encounter with God and out of, out of those places where we express maybe our frustration about our circumstance, something returns inside of us and it's a zeal for God, it's a hunger for God that plays out in our life. Again, back to my message today, Paul said, we pray for you. Here's a couple of things uh, I just picked out. We haven't stopped praying for you. We continue to mention you in our prayers. Devote yourselves to prayer, always wrestling in prayer for you. Have you ever wrestled in prayer over a situation or for a person? There are, again, there's a number of young people in this church that are represented in the church. They may not necessarily be going to the church, but I am wrestling in God. I am seeking God for God to do something in their life to draw them back to him. You know, we talk about people, we can get in little huddles and sometimes talk about people, but how often do we just stop and pray for people? I really believe the Holy Spirit's asking us as a body to pray, to pray, to, to, bre to break the strongholds that are around people, to break the strongholds over their mind, over their emotions, over their time, and over their will, to break the deception that's coming to our young people, to uh, cause them to uh, just be just confused about what God is doing, who they are, and what God wants to do in their life. Under our uh, third uh, slide, we pray for you. Colossians 1, 3-6. Paul uses the we. And in the opening statement, he kind of qualifies who the we was. It was Paul and Timothy and Silas. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You know, that's a good way to think about how you're going to pray for a young person or pray for anybody. God, we thank God for that person. We thank them for their faith and who God has called them to be. Kind of like what Diane was saying, having specific things that you're declaring over them. And that, uh, that Proverbs 18 scripture that she used today, I wrote that in on my, on my Bible today or in my notes today, that 
by the confession of our mouth, we eat the fruits of whatever we say, good or bad. We're either sowing good seeds or bad seeds. And so I just really been praying truly to adjust how I speak to, that we might speak life. And we might see things change in our life and around our young people because we are declaring over them what God's word says. And some of them that we know have made a commitment to Christ that God will go after them as prodigals and return them to the king. We pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. The faith and the love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. God, we just continue to pray that our young people would remember what they, they have confessed and committed to you. And we pray you would revive the word in them that they have heard and responded to. We pray, Lord Jesus, that the word that you said in your scriptures is that work and those who believe will work on them today and bring them to a place of connection again, fresh with you. We haven't stopped praying for you. God, forgive us because we have stopped praying sometimes. God, help us to continue praying and not stop anymore. Colossians 1, 9-11. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. There is nothing like us living a worthy life uh, according to the Scriptures and what God has laid out, because it's the greatest call that we have in our life. It's the greatest focus and the greatest purpose that we have to live is to live for God. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Again, we pray for the knowledge of God's will to come to our children, to come to uh, the, those who are represented in this church, that they will experience God. I'm, it's good to see you guys. I've been praying for you guys too, that God will just strengthen your family. Pray for all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Do you know the Holy Spirit, because we're vitally connected with Jesus Christ, that right there, just getting in tune with our spirit, He is always has an understanding. The Holy Spirit's trying to give revelation, understanding of, of what He's doing in our life and how we should pray. Pray for fellow believers to live a worthy life, pleasing to the Lord in every way. Pray that fellow believers bear fruit in every good work. Pray that your young people, your children, Brevin and London, pray that your young kids grow up, but not with a religious experience, but something they own at an early age, that they have a passion for God and they serve God with all of their heart. Pray for the growth in knowledge of God. As God is God, all wisdom and knowledge, we need that wisdom. It's available to us through the Holy Spirit to have the knowledge and wisdom to live out our life how God wants us to live. Pray for strengthening with all power with his might. Again, it is his power. We sing about grace. Grace is God's ability and power that comes into our life and that we need in every area of our life and we need it every day. But sometimes we're, we're not thinking about it. We're aware of, always of our weaknesses, but God's mighty power is in us through the Holy Spirit. If you can pray in the Spirit, 
Pray in the Spirit. If you're in a crowd, pray under your breath. But that's empowering you with the might of God in whatever you need. And be thankful for the weaknesses that you see because that's where God's power will be manifested in your life. This is, this is a tough one. Pray for great endurance and patience because everything comes against your faith. We're called to war and endure because there's a great attack against our faith. There's a great attack against believing God. There's a great attack against our praying and overcoming in prayer. The next is, he says, we mention you in prayer. Paul is praying for the Thessalonian believers, and he's inviting their prayer to join him. We always thank God in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Again, sometimes we, we wrestle where Jesus told us not to be um, like hypocrites where we continually are repetitious in our prayer. But there's this place in our heart where we're contending and saying the same things, but it's almost like it's chiseling away. It's bombarding the strongholds that we're, that we're coming against. And it's bombarding the strongholds against the children and our, those who are our inheritance. Here I have one, my first one, take action. Always thank God for those at Hillside. Continually mention them in your prayers. That's one way that we're all going to be more united too when we're thinking about each other and we're praying for each other. Praying for the children that you know and the young people that you know. Praying for the young people you see coming up and rising in church. Come to know their name and mention them in prayer that God would keep his hand on them. The, the children ha are having a lot harder than we had it growing up. I mean, I grew up in a, a culture that readily m most people went to church, even if maybe they didn't act out everything that they heard. It's not like that today. Church attendance, you guys are rare people to be here at church today. Pray for those who persecute you, and Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Again, we have to adjust the way we think because if we are going to uh, confess things that are positive and eat the fruit of what we say, we have to quickly let go of our enemies and how they persecute us and the things that try to hurt us because we have to be in that place like Job was because prayer brings restoration. In Job 42.10, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. We cannot let situations affect us about people because it affects our confessions and it affects our prayers for people. Isn't it interesting that Job was hurt by his friends. Somehow they didn't understand the things that he was going through in his persecution and his trial and, and testing that God had allowed him to go through. But his prayers for them, even when they were wrong in their judgments towards him, his prayers brought a release in his blessing and restored them also. Our key verse for today is Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Revitalize your prayer. Does your prayer need some renovation? Oh man, the last couple of months I've been saying, God, I need, I need my prayer renewed. God, I need you to show me some new aspects of prayer. My prayer is getting kind of stale here. God, help me to shake it up a little. Ask yourself, am I devoted to prayer? Is it really an important thing to me? And again, in your talk about people, are you talking more about people or are you talking and praying with people? 
especially if you're in Christian circles, engage people in prayer. I mean, it's a safe place. Maybe in the workplace or in the world, there's not people who can agree with you in prayer. But anytime you're with believers, end something in prayer. Commit something with prayer together. There's an amplification of your prayer when you pray together with other believers. Again, this has been happening for the last few months. Pray for an open door to share the gospel. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I don't know, are you willing to even ask someone if they know Jesus? Or if God puts someone in your path that is ready to receive him, can you lead him in a sinner's prayer? I believe now more than ever before, people are ready to receive Jesus. You don't have to explain all the doctrines and everything else. A simple prayer introducing them to Jesus can start them on a road. It can connect them with the Holy Spirit. There are people right now, they are, have so, they're so full of knowledge, they even know about the Word, but they haven't signed on the dotted line. They haven't made it personal by asking Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. They haven't said, Jesus, you know, I'm a sinner, but I hear you died on the cross for me. I want forgiveness of all my sins, past, present, and future. Will you come into my heart, forgive me of my sin? They'll know, because when they pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit comes in, Jesus comes in and lives with them, and they'll start a new life. Again, here's another action. Take action. Devote yourself to prayer. If your prayer has been kind of haphazard or in and out, or maybe, you know, sometimes you're with people, you know, you get distracted and you're not giving them attention, and sometimes they withdraw and quit talking to you. We do that with God. Sometimes we have a lot of things going on. Maybe devote, starting off with a small amount of time that you, it's just you and God. You're putting away distractions, your phone, and you're saying, hey, God, I'm here to meet with you. And it takes a moment sometimes, it takes a few moments sometimes to let your heart connect with God and not just be praying things that you know or, or trying to talk this um, superficial talk to God that is kind of trying to take its place of real heart communion and prayer. Really, it doesn't take too long. Your heart, all of a sudden, your, what's in your heart starts coming out and you're, you find yourself maybe even in tears because there's emotion. Your heart is connecting with God and you feel like he's connecting with you. Again, pray for the open door to show the gospel. Another opportunity, um, Lord, give me a door of opportunity to share about you. Are you praying like that? You know, you're, you're in the marketplace or you're at work. God, give me an opportunity. You know, pray for that. It's, it's an awesome thing when you get to share your faith with someone or you get to pray with someone about the Lord. It, it just pumps you up. Pray for opportunities. Colossians 4, 4 through 6. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Again, he's talking about every encounter with every person. With each other, it could be uh, something prophetic you're sensing, a word of encouragement to each other. To, to a stranger, it could be something God wants to say to him. You know, with the Holy Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit. You have different gifts. But with the Holy Spirit, you have a prophetic sense that can come upon you. You can start stretching a prophetic sensitivity about being around people because the Lord wants to reach that person. He can give you something that will open a door of conversation. He can give you something that will be so subtle that it will touch them and they'll know, wait a minute, you're saying something that God, only God can know, and it could open another door for clear communication about Christ. 
when in every conversation we're supposed to be talking, we have to watch our words. Our words are to be like salt. Salt had value. Salt was a substance that, uh, it, it was a commodity that was often used in different um, uh, situations for like money. And so salt is used as something very valuable spiritually when he's using it in the context of the scripture. And then conversation. Again, when we're talking about there's death and life and the power of our tongue, we have to watch our conversation. You may be reigning in your conversation because you want your words to be powerful when you pray over yourself, when you're declaring things. And so you're realizing, if I'm going to eat the fruit of what I'm saying, if I'm sowing seeds everything, with everything I say to my mouth, I have to start uh, doing, uh, not casting out some seeds that are negative. And when you begin to rein in your tongue, your conversation and the power of God's using your tongue is amplified. And there's a power of God that comes into your communication that is very spiritual and it's very uh, changing. Like, you know, God spoke things into existence. We, as his representatives, can begin to speak things into existence by our words and uh, just, again, ordering our conversation. Do you know how to lead a person to Christ? If, uh, if you, anybody really needs to know how to do that, get with us and we'll help you. Dory even has little tracks we can give you. They're simple, like the four spiritual laws, where they're simple things you can bring a person to uh, experiencing Jesus. Here, here is about wrestling. Always wrestling in prayer for you. Can you imagine always fighting? When you think of wrestling, you can remember or what an intense uh, conflict is going on when two wrestlers are getting together. Paul's saying, always wrestling in prayer for you. That there was an involvement of people who were coming to Christ and people in that ministry and people in those churches that he was starting, that they involved themselves with this wrestling thing about people and prayer. To wrestle means to contend by attempting to throw one's opponent, to struggle with. To wrestle in prayer is not a passive activity. In Colossians 4, 12 through 13, Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea. Here's some uh, kind of uh, some commentary on, on that. Laboring fervently, can you ever think of something you did? Maybe it's even exercise where, man, you are sweating, you are tired. That's the kind of intensity at times that we can have in our prayer of intercession, laboring, being so intense. Think of Jesus in the garden. He was so intense in his prayers. He was so trying to rally prayers from his 12 disciples because of the temptation they were going to come under and because the spiritual opposition that they were, they were coming under. Jesus was coming under spiritual opposition because Satan thought he was taking him out, but we know that actually Jesus was getting a great victory by dying on the cross. So that fervency in prayer, is, it's intense. It's striving as an agony of a contest. In prayers, uh, it was a complete, it means to completely or be fully assured, to be fully persuaded, 
when it talks about being fully mature or fully um, assured in their salvation, that they're praying for people, that they would really know that they're serving God and really know God personally, it implies attaining the full maturity of the Christian life. It means to be totally walking in the fullness of God's will and to stand in that will. There's another part of that fervency in us, seeking and praying in intensity. It's having a great seal or much labor. Ever had a project where you had a lot of, put a lot of labor into it, a lot of, a lot of man hours, a lot of intensity, a lot of physical labor? That's what he's talking about involved that Epaphras had in prayer. And he's trying to involve us in that same attitude of praying intensely. The Holy Spirit is calling all of us into spiritual warfare. Elijah prayed in 1 Kings 17, 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. <clears throat> Now, we know that Elijah, he was so connected with God as God's prophet, so tuned into the will of God, so sold out to the will of God, that when he prayed, he was so, like, kind of like Jesus, he was uh, exampling what he heard that God wanted. And so he just didn't flippantly go out and say, I'm going to pray there's not going to be any rain. It was an, an intense judgment on Ahab and Israel. And in 1 Kings 18.1, after three and a half years, <clears throat> God was telling and letting Elisha know that the drought is long enough, but I want you to pray. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, <clears throat> excuse me, and I will send rain on the earth. <clears throat> and in 1 Kings 18, 42 and 43, Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground. And he put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So Elijah went up, and so his servant went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. You know, a lot of times when we start being a little bit intense in our prayers, we are going to want to see some results. And whether we see results or not, it's going to determine whether we're going to keep contending and being intense and wrestling in prayer. But you know what? As he sent his servant up, and again, it's dry, there's no clouds, Elijah had an understanding that what God declared and what he was praying for was going to happen. And it took seven times before that servant saw anything. Then it came to pass the seventh time that Elijah's servant said, there was a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. And now it happened in 1 Kings 18.45. In the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds, and the wind, and there was a heavy rain. <clears throat> you know, 
I sometimes we fail to understand who we are in Christ. I know we get beat up enough in our mind and understanding and the, the repetition of what the Satan tells about our past and disqualifies us. But it says in James 5.16 that Elijah was just like us. He struggled with the same kind of things we struggle with. Yet he prayed. And the difference is that we are men and women of God because of Jesus Christ. And there's something unique you have to understand. You've been authorized. You've been deputized. You've been given the right and privilege to pray. God is in heaven, but he's on earth in you and me. And when you pray, you're pulling down the power and authority from heaven and it's coming out through your mouth and you are declaring things and you are pulling things out of the resources of heaven and you're bringing them into the practical life on earth. And as we are praying for young people and we're praying for the generations, we are pulling God's prophetic promises, the things he said over their life, the things they've committed with their mouth to him, and we're bringing that prayer and that power of God to, uh, to come to them and to work on them in a way that they can respond and be in those places that God wants them to be.